Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Welcome to a new episode of It's a Groom's Life and I have the lovely Becky Schofield with me who is a freelance groom and currently at university doing a degree. Hi Becky, how are you? Hello, I'm very good, thanks, how are you? I'm very good, thank you so much. So um, Becky, could you quickly introduce yourself and then let everyone know about um what you're up to with your freelance work and then talk about about your degree and what you're up to with your degree as well yeah so I'm a um, freelance groom in Northumberland I've been doing it now self-employed for about three or four three or four years um all started off where I was just doing it for friends and gradually the work kind of tumbled to a point where I couldn't take it part-time anymore and had to go full-time so um I left an office job working in accounts um, prior to that I had done a little bit of working and racing part-time um, and then went back to accounting and then back to horses and then finally I've kind of stuck with it um, and and then obviously I've gone to university I'm in the last year of my degree doing equestrian performance and coaching um, and then I'm off to the Royal Dick at Edinburgh in September I do my master's in equine science um, for for my grooming, I do lots of clipping, turnout, plaiting, yard duties. I did used to do riding, but because I had an accident last year, I stopped doing that. Um, and I, my favourite thing in the entire world to do is quarter marks. Like, mm-hmm. I live for quarter marks. <laughs> um, but I'm really interested from what I've learned through university and applying sort of the evidence-based side of things. So um I've learned a lot about things like learning theory and how horses brains tick and how they learn best and I like to incorporate that into my work so I do a lot of work with um I don't twitch or I refuse point blank to twitch horses um for clipping and things so I do a lot of work now um with desensitizing them and and training them for a, a longer term solution to the, the problem so mm. to speak well that's got to and in long term that's got to be a bit more of a positive experience for them instead of it being a stressful like experience for them for sure yeah absolutely I mean the the turning point it was only last October the turning point for that was where it was in a a paper by I think it was someone called Rovan um, and they said that the twitch elicits like the flight of fight or flight response in them because yeah. it mimics how predators would have caught them in the wild on the muzzle and I thought oh my god like mm. I've been doing that and it was kind of that realization and and I always say if people look like a twitch is a short-term solution like yeah. for a longer-term problem and yeah. if we do it this week yes it might take three hours it might take three months it's however long the horse wants it to take but you've then got a long-term solution and the problem short-term because you've trained the horse and that whatever's happening to them is a good thing Uh rather than them holding it as a negative experience yeah definitely so with your um uni work how are you fitting your freelance groom around your uni work so I'm at uni only what's classed as full-time which is really weird because I thought it was really strange but it's actually only two days a week okay (laughs) so like it's full-time I was like right okay Monday to Friday how am I going to fit work in around that and they're like so you're only in on a Monday and a Tuesday and I was like 
eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I only have those two days where I don't work the other Wednesday to Sunday I work um, I sometimes I'll start work at 6 o'clock in the morning sometimes I finish at 7 o'clock at night like mm. I fit in as many as I can fit in through the days but uni kind of is a night time and a Monday and a Tuesday thing um, mm. if I'm really desperate for time if I've got a quiet day I'll book the afternoons off to get that extra time in and things but I'm, I'm a person that doesn't like to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like I really struggle just sitting, like, doing absolutely nothing. So as long as I'm busy, I'm happy. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask you, when do you have time for yourself? But I guess you're using your uni work and, and being with the horses as your sort of you time, I guess. Yeah. So I've got my own horses. Um, so they, they are before work and after work. And if I've got a gap in the day, they're in between as well. And and that's kind of my quiet time. And when I'm having my tea on the sofa, I say quiet time, I've got two spaniel puppies, which means it's not that quiet. <laughs> oh, God. You've got your hands full. Yeah, you've definitely got your hands full there, especially with two puppies. Yeah, they're just, God, actually, they're nearly two, two and me now. Wow. They grow so quickly, don't they? <laughs> I know. I, I, I was just looking at photos yesterday when I got because I got one at seven weeks and I got one at six months because well they're from the same litter, but the family mm. who had the other one couldn't cope. But I was looking from the pictures when I first got cinnamon. And I was like, oh my god, if she used to be that small, mm. like I, I I, it's just nuts. Well, I when I look at my dog, my my dog's a terrier so he's a Yorkie Westie cross so he's a smaller dog anyway but when I think about how tiny he was and he was literally like cupped in my hand when I first got him and how he is now I mean obviously he's still a small dog but like he was really tiny and you think oh he was just so cute <laughs> I know I've got all these like cinnamon's never changed though I've got all these photos of her puppy as a puppy and she's got such a sassy face like she really side-eyed you and things and she still does it now and I'm like oh there's that puppy look again <laughs> <laughs> oh bless them they never lose it do they no um, so before we we started recording the podcast and you briefly mentioned it earlier about that um you had an accident um last year do you mind telling us like what happened and and um how maybe that's affected your business a little bit yeah absolutely so four days it was actually it was actually on friday the 13th just oh, to make no. it worse. oh no <laughs> um, i was practicing for a dressage test warmed up the horse warmed up beautifully um and as I was getting ready they were kind of less one of the girls was like do you know your test and I was like give us a quick look so I was reading this sheet of paper and um I had maybe got about halfway down when the horse spooked and he literally just span around I lost my strip and everything was fine um for about 30 seconds <laughs> and as I went to hand the bit of paper back he dropped his butt and just bolted at a thousand miles an hour. Mm. I had one stirrup. I was jumping dressage boards with him, trying everything to just stop and nothing was working. Um, and I was coming to that point towards the brick wall where you either think I either risk this or I bail. And at that point, I, because the horse was so green and I didn't know how he was going to react or anything, I thought bail, it's the safest option. So I did, but I, I landed in the same position as I left the horse on, sitting down, oh. um, and landed on my bum and roly-polied over backwards. Um, 
and I couldn't get up. Well, I say I couldn't get up. I tried to get up the floor and failed miserably. Yeah. Um, convinced people to walk us because I was that. I was just like, oh, I'm winded. I'm fine. It's okay. It's just wind. I'll be all right in five minutes. Yeah. Um, they convinced us to go and get checked out at hospital. And five days later, I was still in there <laughs> with oh a, um, a compression fracture of my L2. And because I had decided it was a good idea to get up and walk around instead of staying where I was, it, the vertebrae popped out. Um, not completely, but I think it it kept collapsing more and more. So when the first x-ray does, I think I was at 10 degrees of collapse. And at the minute, I'm sitting at about 18, 19 degrees. Jeez. Um, and they basically said if it hits 20, I think that was 25 was the magic number. They would have to take us in for surgery to basically pin my spine together to keep it in place and so I just got away without that they did offer us it they said we can do it voluntarily and I was like if I can avoid surgery on my spine yeah I will thank you very much kind of thing and and it was hard because at the beginning I had I was still working and I had literally gone from being so busy to being able to do nothing and yes. kind of the blink of an eye um and like I said I like to be busy so I was at home sitting in a chair watching the entire Netflix catalogue and <laughs> um, putting in every puzzle book known to man, absolutely round the bend. Um, I was lucky that I had a friend who took my puppies away so that they weren't, they could be looked after kind of thing because I couldn't get up and let them out. And yeah. um, and the girls were looking after the horses at the yard, which I was so grateful for, um, especially because they just went out in the field. I was like, that's even better because it means that I don't have... 20 tons of mucking out to repay yeah. people yeah, with yeah. Um, and kind of I gradually got better and better and I was allowed to go to the yard on my crutches and things and I would go and I'd just stand and talk to the horses and then gradually I went and I I gave them a bath or I gave them a brush and I just gradually started getting myself into more and more and then one day I went I'm going to do some in-hand showing bearing in mind I had been walking properly for about a month and a half and then I went to this show and went running and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, no, not really. And she's like, what's the matter? Do you need a rest? And I was like, well, actually I broke my back about three months ago, so I probably shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And she's like, right, so you don't do another run around. The judge will just check your confirmation. Then you'll go and stand back in the lineup because we've seen a move kind of thing. And yeah. do you know what it is? She qualified for the um, race. The, it's the Horse and Country Race Horse Championships in Glasgow. Wow. Off the back of that. And I was like, my God, what a way to come back sort of thing. Yeah. And I kept, I was like, right. And I got back on a horse and, do you know, it was the hardest thing ever because normally you get off, you fall off, you get back on and that fear's yeah. kind of gone because you've done it. Whereas I had had months yeah. of sitting on this panic and getting back on a horse and yeah. it was really hard and it still is really hard. Like the mare I'm riding, Carrot, she, I went to have my first cant on her. I can't sit to it, I can't, I still. Um, and she she likes to stretch a lot her favorite thing on the table in the trot the can is to stretch now she stretched her head down in the canter my first thought was just trying to get us off yeah like now I used to ride horses that booked bronked we had for fun and then now even the mere thought of it yeah I can't cope no so I kind of had to make a decision in that sort of for me <laughs> I had to think of me instead of I had to put my health and my well-being in front of my love of the job for a change yeah. which yeah. obviously grooms know that's not what you do sort no. of thing it's always no. the horse that comes first yeah um and I kind of had to sit down and say right it's either 
I ride for other people and risk falling off and losing the enjoyment of having my horses mm. or I don't ride for people enjoy my horses and if I fall off them that's my problem to deal with kind of thing and that's where I went from it so I said like that's it no more riding sort of thing and and a lot of people at the beginning were really kind of yeah put yourself first but I think a few thought it was a temporary measure so then when they started messaging us asking us like I'm not riding and that was it kind of thing though right okay we don't need you now yeah. and it was like my god like that one decision is going to ruin my business yeah. but from that I've been able to kind of work on my grooming skills more and and try and look at what else I can give to add value to the services I offer mm-hmm. um and I think if I hadn't have in offense if I hadn't have broken my back I would never have kind of learned the benefits of looking after myself yeah. or putting my job first yeah and to be honest I mean that's obviously a very extreme example but generally us grooms will put every our customers first the horses first everything first and then we're literally like at the bottom of the pile and sometimes you do have to turn around and say no I'm not doing that anymore or no I'm not actually comfortable doing that or or stuff like that and I think I think that takes um uh confidence in yourself I guess and um and just um realizing that you are a person you're not just you are there to provide a service and you do provide a service to the best of your ability but you also are a person and you need to look after yourself because if you don't look after yourself you can't do the job properly you just physically can't and mentally you can't do it either um so how when you had that time off what happened to your business I mean I know you talked about your riding clients so what happens what do you money wise and things like that what did you do in between did you have insurance I still I've still had all my insurance because I paid for that monthly so I thought I'm going to keep that going because I don't know when I'm going to be back going and when I'm not and I don't want to cancel it and then have all the kind of rigmarole of not of having to kind of set it all up again and so I carried on with everything I didn't have well actually in terms of insurance right all of the insurances I had didn't cover me for falling off that horse oh no because I wasn't classed as permanently disabled I was classed as temporarily disabled because I couldn't do anything so none of them would cover us because I wasn't permanently disabled. And I thought, well, that's a small print I should have read kind of thing. Um, Did you have your insurance with the British Groom Association or did you have it with someone else? With someone else. Um, Because I am a member of the British Grooms Association, but I only have the standard membership. I don't, because all my insurances are in one sort of thing. But I was a member of the British Riding Clubs, British Dressage, um, BHS, and none of them covered it for it because I wasn't permanently disabled so I wasn't entitled to a penny money-wise basically yeah and at that time the self-employment grant because I didn't have three I had two and a half years of books because I hadn't been working like it was kind of as and when sort of thing before that yeah I only had two and a half years of the books and they were like you have to have three years so I was like right so I'm not going to be entitled to that how am I going to pay my bills (laughs) kind of thing and I was, it turned out I was entitled to £140 a fortnight of ESA and that was sick pay. So when my sick notes ended, that ended. And I was like, <clears throat> I was kind of in a position where I was like, I need to find a way to make some money kind of thing. So um, I put on some online shows. Um, I got a friend who makes some amazing rosettes and she did them at a really good price for us. So 
Um, and I've got friends who run horsey businesses, obviously, with contacts and they did not donated prizes and things. And it was really nice to be able to do that. And I, um, I kind of made enough to pay my bills with it sort of thing. And then work started again and I started to draw some of the first jobs I did when I was back working was clipping. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I can only clip one horse a day kind of thing. And I would have to go home and soak myself in redox and Epsom salts and yeah. Um, and I just kind of gradually got myself back into the swing of it. Um, my mum and dad were really, really nice. And they have, I know she said when I first left to do this job that they wouldn't help us. Yeah. It was kind of my decision. But I think given the circumstances, yeah, they kind of understood it was out of my control. Like, way, yeah. way out of my control. Like, even now, I keep saying to my mum, like, even if I stopped doing this job, there is not a lot of jobs I could go and do. Because I can't do heavy lifting. I can't do like turning and twisting. I can't sit down for long periods of time. I can't stand up for long periods no. of time. As yeah. like, so I'm stuffed <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And um, it was really, really hard. But and I think the lockdowns haven't helped because everyone hasn't got any money. No. Um, and then people have got more time to spend with the horses and things. So yeah. you kind of expect not to have as much work as you would normally do. But hopefully that's going to change soon. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but that's such a great way because mentally for you, um, being in that position where you're just sitting around and not doing anything, to have something to focus on a little bit with the online shows is a great way for you to just feel like you're doing something with yourself and also you're getting that income as well. So that's got to be, you know, mentally that's got to be a bit better for you during that recovery period. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. I watched every webinar under the sun all of the Russell Guaya ones, all the David Marlin ones, all the BHS ones, yeah. literally anything that was on, I was like, I'm watching it, I'm watching yeah. it, I'm watching it. And so from that kind of, I learned like even more. So I've gone back to union, I'm like, oh, I know about this because I watched this webinar. And yeah. and I did a, a challenge with um, a lady called Lisa Ashton, which was, it was called the Equestrian Coaches Challenge. Mm-hmm. And it was, it really kind of put everything into perspective for me. So like it was going through like, how you portray yourself to your clients and to people who are watching you kind of thing with you, how trustworthy you are, how transparent you are in what you're doing and kind of the whole thing that like keeping secrets and lies from your clients doesn't ever bode well. And, and kind of having your boundaries and being able to stay true to your values. And I think that's something that really kind of matters in kind of this day and age of being a groomer and the whole Instagram social media kind of lifestyle that a lot a lot of people have and I think it's so easy to be led astray yeah and from that and and kind of it is hard like because it was like when I did the twitching when I just stopped the ride and it's so easy to think well I'll just go back and do it because their life was so much easier when I did it yeah but then there's this bird in the back of your head that always says no that's wrong decision to make kind of thing and it is so hard like but kind of all that time off helped me to help my business kind of thing yeah absolutely and I found that in lockdown as well um especially the first lockdown um because some of my work did um go quiet because I work on a rider school two days a week and I was furloughed from there and then there were a couple of my clients that have me for holiday cover obviously cancelled and stuff so I just used my time like you say I did lots of um online training webinars masterclasses um learn a little bit about social media um how to sort of create content and stuff like that just so yeah. um i feel like i was 
getting something out of it and just learning new skills and stuff. Um, so my next question, um, with the accident aside, obviously, um, what would you say are the good points and the bad points of being a groom? The good point, the good points is you get to play with ponies all of the time. Um, and there's such a wide range that you come across. Um, nothing is ever exactly the same. You can always go, oh, yeah, I've come across this before, but it'll never be the same as the one you've come across before that. Um, and and kind of that joy of seeing people's horses progress and and see the difference in them and and their journey kind of thing and that's I love that part about as well if I could do it for free I would kind of thing but I really can't (laughs) (laughs) um and the bad points that don't and honestly I don't think there's many of them and unless you see it's kind of it's the worst paid job in the world so if you don't love it don't do it kind of thing um and the cold it is like you're out in the cold like there's none of this I'll have a pyjama day to day because like it's cold and snowing outside it's cold and snow outside but them horses don't look after themselves sort no. of thing and yeah. it's kind of still being able to pull yourself up and out of bed and go right no come on I've got a job to do mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the weather's like yeah so if there's someone who's thinking about becoming a groom so it could be someone who's a school leaver or it could be someone um a bit like us who's sort of done it I say later in life but not from a, a, a school leaving perspective what would you recommend people do um say for research or for training or anything like that get as much hands-on experience as possible because it's so easy to watch someone pull a mane watch someone clip a horse and then until you go to do it you're never going to know what it feels like or or how it is to do because I always used to watch people clip and go god that looks so easy and that my first ever clip I'm not going to lie was the worst thing you will ever have experienced in your entire life. Like there was lines everywhere, that it was wobbly. Yeah. Um, and kind of you have to refine those skills. Um, so if you can go somewhere like a college or get an apprenticeship or or even just one of the low level, I say low level in the nicest terms, um, mm-hmm. like stable hand grooming jobs to kind of get your foot in the door and start getting that hands-on experience, that's going to be the best way forward. But I think the most important thing to have out of all of it is just a love for horses and a, a love of the job. Like there's nothing nicer than seeing a horse do well and thinking I turned that out well kind of thing. And yeah. you get that kind of satisfaction from it. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much. So now we're going to go to the quick fire questions. Oh God, and there's only a couple, don't worry. <laughs> so are you a night in or a night out? Definitely a night in. Nine. Tea or coffee? Neither. Don't like it. Hot chocolate. <laughs> oh, okay. Wellies or heels? Wellies. Are you sweet or savoury? Oh, I think probably a bit savoury for some people. <laughs> um, are you book or film? Film. And what was the last film that you watched? Oh, what was the last film that I watched? I don't, I, I binge watch series on Netflix more than anything. Okay, um, so tell me your most recent series you've binge watched that you enjoyed. White House Farm. Oh yes, that's good. I like that. Before that, it was um, Bridging, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> but I love a good like serial killer, dark and grimy, dark kind of yeah. thing. Um, 
so that was really good and before that it was that the Cecil Hotel documentary yeah I started watching the first episode and I've not quite got into it yet but I think I might just need to like pursue it a little bit more I think yeah you do kind of have to sit and watch and then all the nitty-gritty stuff starts coming out yeah no but the White House no White House Farm Farm. yeah Yeah. that was good wasn't it I really enjoyed that really really good like I was sitting the whole time going it was was that one it was that one (laughs) and and I knew it kind of from the minute I was watching, I was like, I know what's going on here. Yeah. But it was still like I had you on edge all of the time. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Becky, for talking to me. So where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you? I am on Instagram. And my handle is at rsequine1. And um, Facebook is the same handle. But if you just put in rsequine, I normally pop up. <laughs> um, I'm not on Twitter or Snapchat because I don't know how it works them very well, really. <laughs> to be honest, those are the two main ones anyway that anyone will follow you on. Um, well, thank you so much, Becky. I really enjoyed chatting to you. And thank you for telling us all about your journey and your recovery and everything else that you've told us in this um, episode. It's been such a great episode. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's been really nice to kind of get it out there. Good. Well, (laughs) well, if um, you enjoy this episode, please screenshot and share and tag both Becky and I in. We would really appreciate it. And I'll speak to you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please would you subscribe and leave me a review. I really, really appreciate it. If you want to find me on my social media, I am on Instagram under Cobbs Equine Shop underscore services. And on Facebook, I am Cobbs Equine Shop and services. Thank you so much and I'll speak to you next time. making it if you um, like to follow me on socials my um, instagram is cobs equine services and the same on facebook cobs equine services um, if you are listening to this on your um, apple or spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast i really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people and i will speak to you all on the next episode